All right, let's start. It's good to be with everybody today. As we said, we went and visited our seniors yesterday, and they didn't like us calling them our seniors, so but we've been lifting up Norma and, and Barbara. And, uh, just what I mean by lifting up, we've just been lifting them up, you know, lifting them up in spirit and speaking uh, sp the health of God to come forth in their life as we do all of ours. So we, uh, we miss them and hope they recover very quickly. And, and then also we speak over Anna and Carl and their entire family as they travel through Europe <laughs> to, for divine protection as long as my son, uh, well, my son and their family, they've been there almost two and a half months now, close to it. So we're ready for them to get home. <laughs> but I know they're having a blast there. But also we speak that over all of you out on the internet around Facebook for, you know, some people are having hard times in their body and we know that that's illegal. It doesn't belong to us, whether it's in our body or whether it's in our conscious awareness of whatever it is. We just speak wholeness to every one of you along with us and believe we're rising up and uh, we're, we're beginning to live out of what we know. You know, it's, we're teaching these things because we know they're true, not to make them true. And I know I'm whole. I know my body is completely perfect as well as yours. And we're just waiting for something to catch up with that. And I think that's some of the thoughts and beliefs that's in our subconscious. And we're still very much, uh, yeah, I don't say as much, but we still allow our conscious awareness to be more on the world than what's inside. And I quote that scripture all the time, greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. And that means greater is your spirit within you, which is yes. your real you, yes. than your conscious awareness, which is into the cosmos thing. So I believe the more and more we tune into our spirit, which we are, we're going to be less and less interested in the cosmos systems. But we are interested in planet Earth and we are interested in the world and the people and the creatures because they're all ours and we are all one. So we want to stay with that. So. Uh, I finished uh, my teaching and my book on the, the wisdom of the single eye. I could have continued on and on and on, but, you know, and I really am. I'm just changing the title of the next one. So I've got the book published, but it's not ready to purchase yet. Uh, I'm ordering me a copy and then we're going to go over it real good and f try to find all the mistakes we can find. I know that you're always going to find some books and uh, mistakes in books. It's hard to edit. Uh, I've already had people, a few people tell me they found some mistakes in, in uh, living as Holy Spirit. And that's okay. Go past the mistakes and just look for the truth. That's what we're after is the truth. But yeah. I'm excited about it. My daughter made a really pretty cover for it. So I'm, I can't wait to get it out and just let people see it and, and those that want it to read it. So so that being said, I'm starting a new, t a new teaching, a new series. 
Uh, I'm not sure if I'll leave it as this title. I may, but I'm titling it The Light of the World, The True Light of the World. And uh, we've talked about that a lot today or in, in this day. But in, in eternity, uh, I was thinking about that this morning when I was writing, the hand of our Father overshadows everything known and not known. And that's just something right there to meditate on. Everything that's known and not known, the hand of our Father overshadows that and, and is there to, to supply us, to support us, to strengthen us, to help us. Whatever it is that we think we need, our Father is there. And, you know, I've, I've, I have been in places in my life where I would say, where are you, Father? Because I didn't know. I wanted him to be here physically, you know, and, and a Jesus. I was looking for Jesus to do something, not knowing that all around me, Father was all around me. Father was in people. There were some people in our church that I grew up in that came years ago that I, we were teaching these truths, but everybody in that church rejected them. And because the, the leaders did, and we were young, and we didn't know better, and we thought, oh, okay, they're wrong because it doesn't fit with what we're, they were teaching at that time. But yet, I believe they had great truth. So I do believe there's always people in our midst, if we would listen to our spirit, that we can be led to, that can bring us truth, that they can help us. I do, because I believe that Father put himself in us for that purpose. So the sun, S-U-N, the sun came forth to illumine the heat and heat the planets to bring light to the planets, to heat the planets, you know, and I'm talking about the light of the world, but the physical light is our sun. And also the physical light at night would be our moon reflecting the sun. And then of course there are millions upon billions of stars out there that are lit up that light the night and guide the light. And so the sun does a lot of things for us. It brings the correct temperature to each planet for that planet to do what it's intended to do. And in our galaxy uh, that we know, our planet was created for man to live on. And so we were, I think it's so cool to think about this. Our planet is at the exact distance from the sun to sustain light, life, light and life, and to sustain us for eternity. And, you know, I've, as a young man, I always heard that the sun, they said the sun would burn out, a, burn up a million, million years from now. I don't know how they figure that out, but it will never burn out because God said to let there be light. And it begins to shine and it will always shine. <coughs> but our planet, from what I understand, if it moved just one bit closer to the sun, one degree, one degree we would completely burn up. And if we went one degree away from the sun, the planet would be ice. And it's been rotating around the sun for eternity. It was always there. Because scripture says that when God came, it was without form. And then when God, God, I don't mean when God came, but God said it was without form. And then God spoke to it and, be, and all the stuff that he said, let it be, and that became. So, you know, we worry about ourselves so much and we can't trust ourselves with our father and yet we don't, we need to look out at this universe and see how everything God created is still the way it was supposed to be, except for one creation, and that's man. And we're still that way. We still are holy. We still are righteous. We still are perfect. But because of our false belief systems, it's caused us to present ourselves as unholy, if you would. And so we've allowed these things into our life because we haven't known who we are. So... 
Holy Spirit made it possible for mankind to dwell in light at all times, physical light, <clears throat> without a cost to us. No cost to us. There's no cost to us to be the light of God's glory. There was no cost to us that said, well, if you will do this and if you will do this, then I'll put myself in you. We were created that way from the beginning. And there's never been a cost to it until religion came in, until man whose breath is in his nostrils came in and began to say, well, if you do this, then God will love you. And if you do this, and all of a sudden we begin to have rules and rules and laws and do to be things that I've talked about a lot. But I'm telling you, Father created us and put himself in us without a cost because Father God is love and God's creative word sustains everything created, including us. Birds have food. Birds have water. Birds have trees to make their nest in. Birds don't worry about anything. The lily, Jesus said, consider the lily of the field. It doesn't twirl and toss and turn and try to become a beautiful lily. It just draws from what it's planted in. And who are we planted in? We are planted in the rock. We're planted in the very rock of our salvation, which is our Father, which is our God. And, and I know we've said Jesus is the rock, but Jesus was here to reveal it. Jesus was the one that came with a great message that freed us from the great lie, which is we could ever be separate from God. So God sustains everything, including people and all creatures. So what is light after all? Well, we are called the light of the world. So if we're called the light of the world, because it was written first when Jesus came, we'll talk about it, but he was the only light that was shining when he appeared. Now the truth is, we were always shining because God sees us from the end, end to the beginning. And so literally, no matter what man was doing, God still saw us as light. But what man saw was darkness. Man did not see people with light because they couldn't see or wouldn't see out of what we call the single eye. They wouldn't see by the Spirit. So the Apostle Paul exhorted the fellowship of believers in Ephesus, and he said, walk in the light. If you've got a problem, walk in the light. Get out of the darkness. And what is darkness? No understanding, correct? Darkness is just no understanding. But there is understanding because I've said it, I don't know how many times, we do have the mind of Spirit. We have the very mind of God in us, and there's all understanding there. So Paul was telling people to walk in that understanding. And Paul also stated in his epistles, we are all the children of light. So when the first man wrongly believed he lost the light within, what did he do? He self-condemned himself, correct? When he believed he lost the light, and he lived as a child of darkness. And it says that death, because I've told you before, death with God is no knowledge of him no intimacy with him. So Adam left this realm in his mind or his conscious awareness that he was separate from God. And if you're separate from somebody, then there's no fellowship and there's no intimacy whatsoever. I have had people separate themselves from me because of what I teach. So I don't have that intimacy with them that I desire or fellowship with them that I desire. When I met Brother Garner and started going to those conferences, I met a lot of people that I love and I will always love and I will always desire to be with them, but I'm not able to go because I don't want to offend them. I don't want to make them uncomfortable. But Donna can tell you all the time, I say, I wish I could go to this meeting. I wish I could go to that meeting. You know, And so because we need one another and people don't realize that. So 
men uh, in the beginning believed the great lie that one could do something to separate them from their source. You know, it's kind of like us, you know, we, we, have, we talk about true supply all the time and people want that. Uh, when Kay first taught it and then I wrote the book and then she edited the book and added things to the book and we went back and forth on there. One of the chapters that I really enjoyed teaching was the last chapter of the first volume, it was True Supply. And we taught that one time together and a lot of people, they didn't get it because they said, okay, I'm gonna see myself with my pocket full of money or I'm gonna see myself with a brand new car. Well, that's not True Supply. Because you could have a pocket full of money and you could be walking away and drop it and lose it. <laughs> or like me, you could be giving it all the way. Or that nice, beautiful car that you always wanted can end up in a wreck. You know, and then the insurance company doesn't give you enough money to replace it, but then you have to get a used car. So that's not your supply. You know, if there is a need for cars and we can't translate, you know, like I believe people have done then I believe I will always have a car that's going to take me where I need to go. Whether I lose these cars or not, whether a tornado comes, whatever, I just believe it's always going to be there. And that's my true supply. Because true supply means I don't have to worry about anything. And you can't see true supply because it's spirit, you know, but you just know it's there and you know you won't lack whatsoever. So, Father, continue to chase Adam, as we said before. And a lot of things I'm going to say in this first chapter, you've heard before. You know, almost everything I write, you've heard most of it before. But uh, Father continued to chase him in the garden as he willingly left the garden. And what does the garden represent to you guys? What would you say the garden represent? The cool of the day, right? The spirit, living in the spirit. So in the Genesis story, the garden was an analogy of living in the cool of the day, which is spirit living and spirit awareness. And as I've pointed out in our last teaching, in my last book, we want to be aware of everything to the point that whatever we see with our eyes, our spirit defines that. Whatever we hear with our ears, our spirit defines that, right? We need to hear by way of the, the, of the voice of spirit and we need to see Whatever we see, the Spirit defines that. So what I mean by that, if I look at somebody and they're presenting themselves one way, which is not their true character and nature, I see their true character and nature. I see through that, correct? Y'all are looking at me like you're not sure what I'm saying. <laughs> you see through that. So when you come into the door this morning, ladies, and I wasn't ready yet, I still had my pajama bottoms on and I had a t-shirt on, my hair wasn't fixed. I know you just looked at me and said I looked wonderful because Don Amici said I did, right? So you looked through all that or was you lying? <laughs> so the, the thing is, it's not lying about it. It's not lying about it. It's not making something up. It's saying, I see you for who you really are, not for who you're presenting yourself. And the same for yourself. You have to get to the place where you see yourself or who you really are. Because we all, many times in our life, have disdained ourselves. We look in the mirror. Some of us are overweight. Some of us are skinny as we can be. Some of us have wrinkles. Some of, you know, some of us don't like our hairstyle or wear our hair, whatever it is. And we disdain ourselves and we have to see ourselves and say, I am beautiful. I am who I am. You know? And I believe when we begin to do that, then we begin to fight a battle that's, con I mean, we, we cease from fighting that battle that's constantly making us that way. John Cahill said a long time ago, 
that diet was a carnal, a carnal uh, tool, a carnal instrument, because it's always fighting who you are and you always fail at the diet. How many of you have ever been on a diet before? Are you still on it? <laughs> and how many of you have been on diets four or five times or many times, but then we don't stay on it? So it's not the perfect tool. What we need is a change of awareness up here, right? And so spirit affects all of that to the point that my, even my body will conform to who I was created to be. My body will conform to that perfect me that God created me to be. And I am that perfect me and you are perfect and you are holy. And we have to begin to see that because we are children of the light. And the light is what? Holy Spirit, right? And we are the light of the world. So we, we don't want to go forth into the world and speak these things. And yet we don't represent these things in our body, in our whole being. Correct? So <clears throat> when, we, when we see wrongly and we judge wrongly, then we literally judge ourselves. But what I like about this, and I will always say this, the reason I know that God chased Adam constantly and tried to get him to believe the truth is when he said, I'm naked, God said, who told you that? He did not condemn him. He didn't sentence him to death. He didn't sentence him to work by the uh, sweat of his brow. That's just a product of what Adam did himself. God didn't do any of that. And God constantly came to man and tried to talk to man and say, you're still holy, you're still righteous, you're my child. He, after, after Adam refused to listen to God to the point that he couldn't hear God anymore, or should I say wouldn't hear God anymore, then God began to send prophets and, and messengers to speak and cause people uh, to, to, to start living out of the light again. But what happened is they would not listen, and they began to live as a child of darkness, which is nothing but the absence of light. And I always want to emphasize, when you read my writings and you listen to me, when I say the word as, I'm saying as, that's not who they are. When, when the Babylonian Empire released, Babylon released the children of Israel to go back uh, to build their temple, go back to uh, Jerusalem and all that, the Levitical priesthood could not prove that they were priests because their papers had been destroyed. You know, they didn't have their certificate. And so it said that they were considered as polluted, not polluted. That word as is very important and it is in the Hebrew. They were considered as polluted until a priest could stand up with some Urim and Thummim and Urim and Thummim is light on perfection. And so a, until a priest, and I, I love that because most of our lives we've been taught that we're polluted. We've been taught that before we quote said a sinner's prayer that we were sinners. And then we were taught after we set up sinner's prayer that we were sinners saved by grace. So we were still polluted. And it was just grace. In other words, God was just, it was his grace that he let us be saved and let us go to heaven. But we're still sinners. It would be like if Donna, or just me, if I messed up really, really bad. And Donna, Donna was going to kick me out of the house or something. And I talked to her and I pleaded to her and I said a prayer to her. <laughs> that I'm sorry that I did that and I'll never do that again. So she gave me grace and let me back in the house where there's still going to always be this, 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 this cloud of what I did in her. But see, with God, God didn't see it. God doesn't pay attention to it. 
God, what I do or don't do does not separate me from the love of God. Love sees us the way we are. So it wasn't God's grace that, that saved us. It was God's grace or spirit that we were whole from the very beginning. We were always that way. We were always righteous and we were always holy. And so we, we, don't, we don't want to live as a child of darkness, but what we have because we have been brought into what I would call a dark teaching of, the, of separation from God and how every time you mess up, you have to pray and ask God to forgive you again. And I know that's hard for people, but it's the truth. But it kept us down because we didn't have revelation ourselves. We didn't have understanding ourselves. So spiritual life is our life. We, as I said, we were born with spiritual life. I, 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 I don't know how many times I'm going to say this, but when my daddy's sperm hit my mom's egg, a light of explosion took place where the very spirit of God came inside of me right then came into that cell instantly. And so uh, the spirit light is our life and it is powerful. When I say it, I'm talking about spirit life. And it, like the nature of light, uh, agent of light, it stimulates sight in us. And it makes things visible that may not be visible. When you're, you know, many times people say, well, I just can't understand what they're teaching. All right. Well, if you just begin to lean to your spirit again and you let your spirit define what you're hearing and define what you're seeing, then all of a sudden things become visible to you. As Kay has said many times, and I have too after her, is that we are spirits slowed down to visibility. So if we are, how about everybody else? And how about everything else? Everything that lives on this earth is spirit slowed down the visibility. So literally we can see it as spirit and also we can see it beautiful because God said everything that he created, he said, and it is what? Good. It's beautiful. And yet man looks at things and they don't see beauty. But I'm telling you, every person on planet earth is beautiful. It matters not what's on the outside of them. It matters not if they're dirty, if they got tattoos all over them or they don't have tattoos, if they have makeup or they don't have makeup, if they don't have their hair cut the way you think, whatever it is, everyone is beautiful. And it's because God created us that way. So uh, rather than seeing things from the perspective of the uh, nature agent of light, which is just natural life, light we want to see everything through the spiritual light correct yes. you know there are sometimes i can't see something that i'm looking at so i had to come in here under this light that's very bright and look at it and i can see it donna had a splinter the other day in her hand or, or, or in her hand and i couldn't see it very well so we have these lights that are called uh what are they called do you remember uh, it's like sunlight, but it's something else. So we went to the bathroom where those light bulbs were, and guess what? I could see it. So if you can't see these things, if you can't understand, just turn more light on. And just by faith say, Father, turn my light on for me. I yield to your light because, and I know that I'm the light of the world, so there's light inside of me, and shine that light on me bright so I can see. Shine my light, shine the light upon my teacher so I can hear and understand. And that comes forth from you. So our father's first words over the planet then was what? Let there be light. And there never was not light. And more, just more than just physical light, 
he was talking about the light of his glory. I mean, if I was going to paint a picture that was in my, in my awareness, that picture would be the glory of what was in my awareness, would it not? When I work in my backyard and I see something in my mind how I want it to be, and I've showed you all my, I love it, my outdoor dining room and living room out there, I saw that in my mind's eye kind of what I wanted, and guess what? There it is, and that's the glory of everything that was in my brain. And so we are the glory of God. We are God's masterpiece. And so as a result of what God did, our planet and the universe was forever changed. Everything took form with what was in Father's mind. So we could say Father's response to darkness was to turn on the light. Right? It was without form. It was dark. And so what did he do? He turned the light on. He said, let there be space. Spirit, let there be light, no different than me walking in here in the middle of the night and I can't see, well, the answer to not being able to see is to turn on the light. My eyes, because I was taking all that prednisone, was getting, got cataracts in three months, three large cataracts in each eye, and my, my vision was blurring, I couldn't see as clear, and I thought something's wrong, so I went to the doctor, and he said, oh, it's cataracts, all we need to do is remove and I said, well, what are cataracts? And he said, it's a formation that grows between your lens and your outward part of your eye. So it was darkness, if you would. So all he did is remove darkness. And in so doing, they had to remove that lens. I don't know why. I guess it gets damaged. But they put a new lens in and I can see now. I can see and I can see clearly now. And I'll tell you what a picture if we would just let Father remove everything between us and the real light because there's real light in there the ability spiritually to see is there but what's clouding it is what's in our subconscious and our conscious awareness and so we are allowing father to do that and what i like about this i heard this morning father never rebuked the darkness he never came and bound it he it wasn't real all it was was the lack of light he didn't say go away light he didn't do the things that we were taught to do. Darkness. I mean, darkness. He didn't, re he didn't bind a devil. You know, he didn't blame it on anyone. He just said, let there be light and the light shine. And I just say that for you today. Let there be light in every situation in your life. Yeah. Every circumstance of your life, let there be light. In our bodies where there's dis-ease that doesn't belong to us, I say, let there be light. I speak over you and I speak over me. So my mandate, my mission, my ministry is to do the same thing. I want to turn the light on everywhere I go. I want to be what I am. I am already, but to people, I want to be the light of the world. And I could give you a list of hundreds, if not thousands of people that I have got to just share for a little bit and shine light to them. And I enjoy doing that. So what happened again, man willingly lived in the dark for thousands of years and during those years, Father often pushed forth that light in many people, prophets, kings, ordinary people, and others to speak words of wisdom and direction. And we were told that all those years that God didn't speak, God always spoke. They call them the dark ages. Well, the reason it was dark is because man chose to live dark. And there were people that their leaders kept them in darkness. But God kept sending people and ministry and masters and teachers to teach people and try to help people. But however, most rejected the light in those people. 
right? You ever been in a place when somebody taught something that you just didn't believe and you just rejected it because it didn't line up with what you always believed? Have you? We all have. You're reluctant to say yes, <laughs> but we all have. But so thousands of years later, on a dark, starry night outside of Bethlehem, God spoke again and said, let there be light. And a baby was born. Didn't come as a full grown man, you know, but a baby was born. And that baby had to come and learn. And it said, if you read it in the Bible, it said he grew in all of his ways. And I think that was a great picture that we have to grow in the knowledge of who we are. And I think I know that he learned and I know that he studied the Torah. He knew the Old Testament because he quoted it constantly. Did he not? And he, he came not only just to reveal God to us, but he came to reveal God in us to us, yeah. Father in us to us. He came to reveal light. So he was the light, but he was the reason he was called the light because he was the only one on planet Earth that was shining forth his light. He was the only one that was living out of this light at that time. Now, I cannot say that there never was anybody before him because I believe there were people before Jesus that was shining light. But I believe they were rejected greatly. Some people listened, some people didn't. Just like some of the prophets, Jeremiah was shining light. He was speaking the truthful word of God and he was rejected constantly. So there are people that we don't even know about. So uh, everyone alive was the light of the world, but they wrongly lived in and they wrongly lived in darkness. So during Jesus' earth walk again, he was the only one that lived as the light to the world. So what does spirit light do? Well, like the nature of light, natural light, spirit light reveals. As I said, I couldn't see the splinter in Donna's finger until I had a bright light that enabled me to see that. And I even also got a magnifying glass to look at it because it was so little. So light reveals. So when one lives as the light we are and allows our light to shine, it immediately makes itself known and it reveals things that are not seen by the natural agent of light. So the very spirit, when it shines, it makes itself known to you. In other words, you realize that you have light inside of you, that you have spirit inside of you and you know that you do. The apostle John stated, God is light and there is no darkness in God whatsoever. So there can't be any darkness in us the way that we think darkness is, but there is a lack of understanding and a lack of knowledge, which is kind of a picture of darkness. And then so that was 1 John 1, 5. And then it says, apart from spirit or light, we could not know Father at all. And so, you know, you know what? Most of our lives, we have sought God apart from spirit. Like, is that so? We really have. I'm not saying that we did not have spirit, but we sought God. We sought a physical God. We sought Jesus. And we wanted Jesus to do things for us. And we wanted Jesus so the list can go on and on and on. And we didn't know God as spirit and, and the union that we had. And so Jesus appeared in the realm of time to reveal Father. And yet, very few apprehended his revelation because all they wanted to know is what he could do for them. They sought, like I said before, they sought tax money, they sought bread, they sought food, they sought healing. The list goes on and on. And so 
they continue to live in darkness, which is a picture of no understanding. And that's what true darkness is. Even his apostles possessed very little understanding of his teaching. He told them, you can't bear what I'm teaching you. But he also said that he's going to send more teachers that's going to explain the truth to him, to them. So in John 4, 23, and I'm paraphrasing a lot of this, it says a truthful, a truthful seeker. I need to, I don't have my pen here. I need to fix that. A truthful seeker adores the father, or I could say in a truthful adorer of the father, because that's another word for worship too, will ascertain, seek, and desire to know father and spirit and truth. So the word truth in this verse and many others is the not concealing word. So we have sought to know God according to our King James Version, or according to other versions, or we have sought to know God through other people that had a false perception of God. And that's why I always say, Baptist people understand God the way their Baptist teachers teach. Pentecostal holiness, Methodists, Islam, all of them. We can't get mad at any religion in the world because we've done the same thing. We, are, we call ourselves Christian, and we've grown up in different types of Christian churches, but we have all those versions of God that have hindered us, and that therefore we have heard the not concealing, uh, the concealing word. In other words, it's the untruthful word because Jesus said the, the not concealing word will make you free. And if we have been receiving the truthful word, then why aren't we free from all this stuff that hinders us today? I'm just proving a point. It is the truth. We have not heard the truthful word the way we need to, but we are now and we have been for quite a while. Yes, they're seeking the truth, I mean, but it's the truth that they know it as. But they're not seeking the truth in spirit, and I, we were not seeking the truth in spirit the way the Bible talks about it, because He said God is spirit. I'm, I got this down here, but God is spirit, and they who ascertain and adore Him must worship Him in spirit, not a physical body. That's what I'm saying. Not some God out there that's going to come do something. And so that's what I mean. Everybody has sought. God, a lot of people, most people, particularly at their church, but they're seeking him for all the wrong reasons, right? As we've said before, they, they sought the hand of Jesus, not the face of Jesus. They weren't interested in a relationship to the point that they can understand what he was teaching. All they wanted to know is what he could do for them. And the majority of people in the world have gone to churches needing something. And some people just go because it's something to do. And I'm not mocking anybody. And God meets everybody where they're at. Yes, I believe we had some real experiences. And I believe we tapped into spirit many times, but we really wasn't sure what that was. We thought that was just God answering our prayer or wow, the Holy Spirit came in our midst today and it was powerful, but we didn't have our understanding of who we are and that we are the light of the world. So Jesus continued his exhortation in verse 24 of John 4. And just what I just said, he said, God is spirit, and they that ascertain, seek, and desire to know Father must do so in spirit and in the not concealing word. And so we didn't have the, 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 the truthful word at that time. We were going in our church and probably your church and Lottie, we were basing everything on what the King James Bible said. Were we not? So that, that has, there, there's a lot of concealing that's inside of that, of that Bible. And thank God we have eyes uh, to see truth now. 
and we have the voice, the spirit to guide us through the scripture and we can see what is not true, what doesn't fit the love of God. We can paraphrase that sometimes and bring the truth out. And most of the time we can translate it and bring the truth out and we can see where it was mistranslated. And I like this and I paraphrase and translated this. John 14, verse 16 through 8. This is where he was telling the disciples that he was going to have to go away. And he had to go away because if he didn't, none of us would ever shine. Right? We would still be trying to get to Jesus. And so don't worry. I will not leave you teacherless and guideless, which is what the word comforter means. I will converse with the Father. In other words, just talk to the Father. And Father will send many. The word another means many. More teachers, leaders, and guides to explain and help you understand what I do and who you are. And you will become aware as a result of what I come to do. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the carnally mindful people cannot actively take hold of, because they discern not their Holy Spirit. I mean, I've had people on my post, many people, not a lot, but say, I am not Holy Spirit. Just flat deny it. Because they think they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit by saying they're Holy Spirit. Well, what about you saying, I am God? Because the scripture says, ye are gods. But, but it's just hard for people. So they're not able to discern their Holy Spirit, neither are they aware of the Holy Spirit within. And that's true because we always thought the Holy Spirit was out somewhere else, didn't we? We, didn't, we thought Jesus was in us, but we didn't know where he was until I discovered it. Me and Donna discovered a long time ago that he was in our liver because our liver makes us live. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh a little harder than that. <laughs> He's talking to disciples, so he says, But you know yourself, for you know our Holy Spirit dwelleth and exists in you. I believe they knew that. I don't know how much they were aware of it, but I believe they knew that because they did some mighty things in the earth walk. They did. They, they functioned pretty powerful. Verse 18, currently you and the world cannot withdraw from your spirit. So he said you, you, you don't know when to withdraw from your spirit of truth within because you live unaware. Because they were always asking Jesus questions, weren't they? But you will soon experience a quickening that will allow you to hear the explainers I will anoint to teach you. And who was that to them? Paul and John, right? The Apostle Paul and John. They were given the pure revelation of what Jesus revealed. Your Holy Spirit of truth within them will bring great understanding of what I do. Currently, you cannot receive, discern, or take hold of these things because as of yet, you do not know who you are as Holy Spirit and sons, son of God. Nor are you fully aware of your Holy Spirit and eternally, uh, that eternally abide, abides with you. See, I can know that I'm something, but not fully be aware of what that is. Remember my story I've told you about being the manager of Bob Mills? I knew I was the general manager, that was my title, but for several weeks I wasn't fully aware of what that was. I wasn't comfortable making decisions on behalf of Bob Mills. I wasn't comfortable calling and saying, I need $20,000 worth of recliners sent as a bill. There was a lot of things I wasn't comfortable with, and he knew that. And so he brought me in and talked to me and explained to me again, I have made you my general manager. And whatever you say, I will back it up. And I want you to act on my behalf. And then if you do something that wasn't expedient, then we'll discuss it. 
That's all. We'll discuss it, and the next time you'll do what's right. And I believe that applies to us because I believe we need to hear Father says, I have made you my son. I have made you son of God. I have made you prince of this earth. I have made you Holy Spirit. And you can go forth and rule and reign over this earth. And if you do something that doesn't fit your character, my spirit will convict you. And you'll listen, and then you'll do it right the next time. Isn't that that good? I believe that. So if we'd learn to listen to our spirit, and Brother Garner always said, the greatest word that you can hear from God is no. You know, how many times have we have prayed for something and it wasn't happening and we just begged and pleaded and it still wasn't happening? Maybe that was a no. So I don't know. <laughs> so he said, so nor are you fully aware of your Holy Spirit that eternally abides with you just as in me, Holy Spirit exists in you. So he was showing them that just as, as I am, you are. Then he said, don't worry, you will understand it all. Isn't that good? Where does it say that? Huh? Where does it say we'll understand it all? I paraphrased it and I I translated it. But we will understand it all because we know all, do we not? What good is it to give me the mind of God that knows all things if I don't know all of it, if I can't live out of it? That's why I love it when a couple preachers told me I was full of it. I am full of it. I'm full of the mind of God. I'm full of the Spirit of God. I don't care what they meant. I know what I am. And I, I said, thank you. I appreciate that to them. So we must understand. We must understand that we are spirit. So when Jesus talked about sending the spirit of the truth, who did, who did he infer? People. People. Because the spirit, Holy Spirit was already in those people. So how could he send Holy Spirit when they already had Holy Spirit, he couldn't. So he was talking about people when he talked about the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of truth in people. And it's people who are consecrated that can minister with the spirit of truth. And remember what the word consecrate means? It means to see something. If you haven't seen something, how can you function out of what you've seen? Lottie, would you go to a doctor and ask him to do brain surgery, and he hadn't even seen it? (laughs) He hadn't even seen somebody operate on you? I read the book. You know, I read how to do it, but have you ever seen it? Am I the first one you're going to do it on? (laughs) No way. And I have listened to preachers and teachers and just people in general that I say, you haven't even seen the truth. All you're doing is repeating what some Sunday school book told you, or some preacher told you, but you haven't seen it yourself. And if you haven't seen it yourself, how can you, how can you help me, right? And so he started out with the Apostle Paul, and then John, and many more people to this day. In John 16, 13, Jesus said, when one who functions as spirit of truth is come to you, that one will guide you into all truth, Not just a little truth, but in all truth. For he or she shall not speak of themselves, but whatsoever he or she hears from the voice of spirit, that he will appear and speak as a messenger to you. That's what that means when you translate that. John went on to write, and when John, he said, you know the spirit of God in you. You know the spirit of God in man. Every spirit, man, when it says spirit, it's talking about man. Right? Do you agree with that? Because we are spirit, 
Jesus was spirit, God is spirit, so we're spirit. So when it says spirit, it's talking about man. So every spirit, every man that confesses that Jesus Christ came in a body, he knows that from Father God. It came from God. Remember when he asked, uh, Jesus asked uh, Peter, who do men say that I am? And he tells him, and then he says, who do you say I am? And he says, I say, you're the Messiah, you're the son of God. And he said, blessed art thou son of Barjona. This has not been revealed to you by man, but by the spirit of God. You can't know about God except for by spirit. And we have spent most of our lives going to men whose breath is in his nostrils. In other words, whose understanding is from the sensory realm. And we've let them tell us about God and we have not known God. I remember on my journey back in 1996 of growing spiritually and learning things, one of my biggest things was that I really wanted to know who God is. It's hard to wrap around your conscious awareness, what is spirit and who is God. But I like what Jesus said. You can't see spirit. It's like the wind. You can see the effects of spirit, but you can't see spirit. I can't go to a carnally minded person or a person that's an atheist and say, prove there's a God, show me God. I wanna know what God looks like. You know, today I can tell them, but, they, but I can explain it that way. Spirit is like the wind, it blows and it, and it goes where it needs to go and it's, it's got a never ending power. You know what the source of the wind is? In my understanding, I may be wrong, it's the sun. When it gets real hot and different temperature changes, the wind begins to move. And the Son is our Father, our Son, our Creator. Our Creator is the source of our spirit, and it's an eternal source that never runs out. You, again, you can't lose your spirit. Never. That's who you are. So I like this very much here. You know the Spirit of God in man. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ came in a body, he knows that from Father God. Then he says, they that are mindful of the cosmos, and the cosmos is just this physical world. That's what it means, the physical world. They speak of the cosmos, and the people into the cosmos hear them. So in other words, people that are carnally mindful, and they teach carnal things, the only one that hears them are carnally mindful people, correct? When you become spiritually mindful, you can't hear that stuff anymore. I've been invited to a lot of meetings that teach demons, devils, rapture, you know, all that stuff. I can't hear it. I don't want to hear it. It's like chalk on a chalkboard now to me. And I want to go because I love the people. I enjoy the people, but it's just hard to listen to it. I don't read the books. I don't watch the videos. I'm, I'm mindful after spiritual things. So if you're spiritually mindful, when you tread about in life, you will hear people that are attuned to the spirit. You will hear people say things that's only revealed to them by spirit. I have talked to a lot of people in my business that said to me things that I'm teaching, and I'll say, where did you hear that from? And they said, just at home, reading my Bible, listen to God. They wouldn't even church anymore, but they heard it by the spirit. So we don't hear it by me, myself, and I, which is ego, we hear it by spirit. And so when we listen to spirit, it brings those truths to us. And so we are those who are attuned to spirit, and he that is attuned to spirit hears us. He that is not attuned to spirit hears us not. Hereby we know the disposition of the truthful word and the disposition of error. So 
we should not be getting mad because people can't hear us. They're just not attuned to spirit yet. But you don't want to tell them that. It'll make them mad because they think they are. But we just realize that they're just not there yet. There's, Paul said there's little children and there's sons and there's fathers. And God loves every one of them. And God meets them where they're at. If you're a little child, God's going to help you the best he can. And he can do all things, but he's going to help you to grow if you want to. If you don't want to, then you can stay in that child mentality. And that's always just needing something all the time. But that's no fun. I didn't like that life, did you? Did you, Donna? Always have to plead for something and beg for something and buying things. And, you know, we thought that was just the way it was. But I'm telling you, it was hard. And it was just a lot of bad experiences there. But I can tell you, in 1996, when the Lord began to speak to me about how he's my supply and he showed it to me in finances, my life has been joy unspeakable and full of glory. Have I had some problems? Yes, I still have physical problems or whatever, but I have experienced in finances true supply that I don't have to work because that's where I was at. I was the dad of three children and my, my wife, and I was responsible for supporting our family. And there were many, many years I didn't make enough. We struggled. We had the, the, the loans. We had to go file bankruptcy once when we were young. We had the collectors calling us, and that's a horrible life. But guess what? I haven't had that since 1996. None of that has been my experience. And I'm telling you, I'm pressing through where none of sickness and disease is going to be my experience and none of a lack of peace is going to be my experience. Whatever it is that we, we think we lack, none of that should be our experience when we really arrived at this point that spirit is my supply. When I go somewhere, everything that is required for that day, it's going to be with me, right? You remember what Jesus told the disciples? Don't take anything with them. You ever thought about that? Don't worry about your money. Don't worry about anything. It will be provided for you as you go. Well, that's faith, is it not? But they believed it, and we can see it evidence in the Scripture. So the inner fortification of living as the light of the Word, which is living as Holy Spirit, is far more important and greater to man who is attuned to the Spirit than that in the outer. My, my fortification, what's fortification? It's something that protects you, is it not? And our protection is knowing that we are spirit. Because if we're living in the outer world, if you would, the cosmos world, we don't have any protection whatsoever. If you're living in that, everything that you have can be taken away from you. If you're living there, then you're, you become a slave to the systems of the earth and they rule over you. And we don't want that. So greater is your spirit that's within you, your entire being, than the part of your conscious awareness that's in the cosmos system in the world. So if we keep saying, I don't know why I'm struggling so much. I don't know why I have so many problems. It's because we're still, our conscious awareness is in the cosmos. And the very fact that we're saying we're having problems is because we are living in the realm of lack. What's your problem? I don't have enough money. I'm sick all the time. People don't like me. The list goes on and on and on. And so all I say again, as I said in the beginning, what you need to do is turn on the light. In other words, let your spirit be your guiding light. Let your spirit be your driving force. Light is much greater than any darkness that presents itself as real. So what a revelation here that we have uh, of us being Holy Spirit, not just having Holy Spirit in us somewhere. 
But us, huh? What? The darkness is not real. It's just the absence of light. Does it? Mm-hmm. The spirit is our reality. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good. What's the name of that Bible again? What is it called? It's the. Um, it's been. It's got the recovery, the recovery version. It's what the there's there's churches around the United States that like here it's called the Church of Oklahoma City, and they study a lot of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee's books. That's what they have studied in the past, and so some of their leaders translated this Bible, and it is very good. It has some really good truth in it. So what, what, what greater security, again, do we have than to be that we are indwelt by Father God? What greater security can you have than that? If you talk about finances in the world, and I know there's men that have billions of dollars. And let's just say one of them is John Stevenson. What greater security could you have if you were his son and you were in good relationship with each other financially? You would have all that you need, wouldn't you? Physically like that. So... Then you think about that. Well, I'm in union with God. I'm God's son. I'm God's messenger in the earth. I'm God's ambassador. When we, when we put an ambassador in place in the United States and when they go somewhere and they live, we provide their housing, we provide their food, we provide their furniture. Everything they need is provided because they are ambassadors of the United States and we want to present them as that. They dress nice. They look nice. They drive nice cars. Wouldn't you like to be an ambassador in a nice place? We are. <laughs> like maybe Australia? But see, we are the ambassador of God. Ambassadors. Huh? We are Christ's ambassadors. Yes, we are. So uh, let me see where I at. Was I at? Okay. So when Jesus revealed his glory, which was light before his disciples, a great cloud of light overshadowed them, and the disciples fell on their face in great fear. Because they had never seen anything like that. What Jesus did. See, Jesus was in his earth body. But Jesus revealed his master body. He mastered living out of the spirit. He revealed his glory. The truth is we are all shining like that today. If you could see 100% with your, with your single eye, you would see people shining. You would see trees glowing. You would see plants glowing. I believe that with all my heart because it's, uh, light is energy and spirit is God energy and it, it, it's, it's awesome. So they previously had not been able to see that at all. And the reason is they were still viewing life as carnal. And so can you, I, I was asking this this morning myself, so I'll put this in here. Do you remember the first time you experienced the glory of your father? Do you, Donna? The very, do you? Do you, Donna? My Donna? You do, don't you? That day you went down and, quote, gave your, you know, you did the sinner's prayer and all. But you, I remember you experiencing that. And you experienced glory. Lottie, I'm sure you did. You know, because there have been times. I'm not just talking about goosebumps and feeling good from singing. But you literally experienced God yourself. Was that not life-changing? I remember it in my life. And I'm telling you, it changed my life forever. It changed my walk. And I have to tell you, there, I had many times of going down and praying and great times with the Father and crying and everything. But when I, when I was driving down that street in 1996, and I just lost that job, and the Lord began to speak to me, and my spirit in me began to sing, I surrender all. And when I did, I experienced God's glory like I'd never experienced it in my life. Amen. And the fulfillment of every calling that He had placed in my life began right then. It started in 1988. 
but I was still learning as Colonel. But in 1996, that's when God catapulted me really high. And that's when I met Brother Garner and I began to meet other ministers that were messengers to bring me up higher and higher and higher to where I'm at today. And it changed my walk. And it changed my relationship with God. I was no longer afraid of God. I, I revere God and I'm in awe that God is me and God is in me. There are people out there saying there is no God, but yes, there is. God is spirit. God fills the universe. God is real. God talks to us. God loves us. God feels our, what we feel. God experiences what we feel. God is real. You can't see God with a physical eye unless you look at man and you look at his creation because the Bible says all creation reveals the full weight and the full glory of God. That's why today I can tell you everything's beautiful to me. My eyes have been attuned to my single eye. I, when I drive, I'm looking at trees and they're, they're prettier than I've ever seen them before. The, the, even here in Oklahoma City, we saw a lot when we traveled, but I'm seeing things through a different light today. In other words, my light is becoming brighter and brighter and brighter. And that's why we must let our light shine. And some people don't want to. Some people don't want a fellowship of what they call darkness. Well, if you don't, who's going to turn their light on? You might be the messenger that's sent to turn their light on. And we have to realize every day when we walk out of our house, we are messengers. Every day when we hear, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. You know what you're supposed to do? Pick up the phone and call them or go see them. Don't let that thought just leave you because that's a, that's a direction from your spirit. Why else would you wonder? You're busy. You wouldn't be, Donna, you're working hard at school and trying to get all this stuff done. And all of a sudden you hear, I wonder how Lottie is or I wonder how Norma is. Why do you think that thought comes? I know. And you know what a lot of people have done when that happens? They call me and say, I was wondering how, you know, I said, well, why don't you go see them? <laughs> I wasn't mean like that, but it's the truth. So the inner fortification of living as the light of the world, which is living as Holy Spirit, is far more important and greater to man who's attuned to the Spirit. It's far more important. We really have to understand that that's our strength. And that, that into Him, into Spirit, we live and move and have our being, not into carnal things, not into this world system. Uh, you as the light is much greater than any darkness that presents itself as real. You can go to people who are, are sick in body that have, and you can let that light shine. It's just like I've said many times the, in the, the medical world, they use a light. It's called uh, radiation and it's light. And they use radiation to sometimes heal people, sometimes to get cancer out of the body or whatever. And that's light. But that's not the perfect light. That's, that doesn't bring permanence. Shining the light of the gospel on people is what brings perfect health to us. So we are clothed and we are in our right mind. And this is man's normal state. We're clothed with righteousness and we are in our right mind. It is then when we know this that we're immune to all that's false. And when we live as fathers of light and we're no longer children of light. I don't know about you, but I want to be a father. I don't want to be a child. I don't want to be just a son. But I want to be a father because what does a father do? They help their young. They help other people. They guide people properly without fear. And so I know that since my day of birth, 
and I hope you know this, but I know it, I've been divinely kept by Father's wisdom. I've been brought to this spot that I am today. I, there, there was a mandate, a mission on my life, and it was revealed to me in 1988, and it began to grow more and more and more until 1996, and then it began to come forth. And I've been divinely kept by Father's wisdom. As Father's always speaking, he's always touching me, and I know that that's true of you, not from a distance, but from with every cell in my body. Every thought that I have, I can hear God if I'm willing to. Every, if I go to eat, I can hear God. And I'm practicing tuning myself into that voice more and more and more because I desire that you also know this. I desire that other people know this, that Father's always speaking all the time. All the time. I don't know why he does it at 3 a.m. in the morning or 5 a.m. in the morning. But I think sometimes I just wake up and I begin to hear the voice and I know to get up and it's time to go write. It's time to go study, whatever it is. But he's always speaking. But sadly, many don't hear as of yet, but more are going to. The light within us keeps our subconscious and our conscious awareness as we respond to the light. The light continues to keep our entire being. The light within us keeps us from that which is going on out there. All the turmoil and politics, the turmoil in the medical world, the sickness and diseases and the millions of names that they come up with for diseases, the light, when we allow it to shine so bright, it will keep us from that. Because if I keep these lights burning in here and I don't let them burn out and I replace them the minute one does, there will be no darkness in here whatsoever, will there? There will always be light. If I keep the light on, but we sadly, we have control of the switch. We can turn it off at will. We can just say, no, I want this. I want that or whatever. And we suffer the consequences and so do other people. So the spirit within us gives birth to higher and higher truth. We no longer build a temple on one truth. We're like Abraham. We're, we're uh, tent dwellers. That the reason he dwelled in a tent is because God was leading him somewhere and he had to be able to get up and go quickly. And see, boy, what a teaching that is. Because there's so many denominations have built their beautiful temples to this and their, their bylaws to it and their belief systems and what they believe. And they're so strong. They're made out of steel to the point that there's no way they're going to listen to anything else. And they'll tell you, if you don't follow these covenants and these rules and what we believe, you cannot preach in our church. And a lot of them say we believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe Satan to be the arch enemy of God and us and on and on and on. And it's very hard to get through to them. But God wants to bring us higher. God wants us to be tent dwellers. He wants us to be uh, willing to rise as the Spirit leads. So we are the light of the world. We must be uh, willing to follow the light that's within inside of us, that leads us, just as the children of Israel was led with a great light in the wilderness. At night, they were protected with a great light that produced heat. And during the day, they were followed with a great cloud or what I put a great light or a great cloud of glory led them the way God wanted them to go. And you know what? We do pay the price for bringing the truth of the word, right? There, there, there is opposition to it. And we could say what we're doing literally is mothering this message that's been conceived with inside of us. And you know, when you women give birth to a child, we enjoy their baby time. And sometimes we have wished they would come back to a little bit like that. But it's our a mother and a father 
wants to mother them and father them to become more mature and more mature. And when they finally mature, we say, go forth <laughs> and don't come back. <laughs> no, we say, go forth. And then we watch them and our desire is to see ourselves in them. What, baby? I said, and come back with babies. Come back with babies. That's right. Well, but, but we watch them and we, we are happy when we see them showing forth their glory. And what is their glory? Everything that we desire them to be. Everything that we envisioned in them. My son, at four and five years old, knew he wanted to be an engineer. He, one time, how old was he when he drew that fire station? He said he wanted to, he wanted to fly planes. I know. And then he said he wanted to work on planes. Right. Then he began to work his way through that. He began to draw things. And, and we knew that was his passion. And so we saw that for him. We believed that for him. And he's, he's a great engineer right now. And when he tells us things we do, you know what it does? It just makes us smile. No joke. What do you think Father does when he, he grows us up? Yeah. It's okay to be a baby. And it's okay to be a child. It's okay to be a son. But the goal is to come on up and be the Father. So God loves us when we're sons. He loves us when we're childs. When he watches some of the crazy things we do and the fits that he does, they have. My five-year-old grandson, he, every time he comes over here, he knows Papa has some ice cream for him. I don't eat it now, but I have it in there. And sometimes his mama says no because we haven't eaten yet. Well, uh, yesterday or day before yesterday, he was in the garage and she said, no, we haven't eaten. So he come out in the garage where I was at crying and I said, what did mama say? And I'm not going to scream it on here, but very loud. He said, she said, no, 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 no. And I just laughed at him. <laughs> it was hilarious. But that's a child. You don't go over and beat him for that. He was just expressing his anger. And, and, and I said, I, later on, I said, did she say no, 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 no. Or did she just say no? And then he smiled. You know, but, but God looks at that and sees us do the same thing. Yeah. Amen? Oh, yeah. But we're, we're raising up higher. So again, we do pray, pay the price. But you know what? That message conceived in us, uh, when we see the offspring of the word that we say, it's worth it all. Oh, yeah. I have people all the time tell me, how, I don't know how you do this. I don't know how you take the rejection. I don't know how you still love all those people. I don't know how, and, and you know, I don't know how you do this when you're sick. People tell me that all the time in my body. And I just say it's worth it because I see the change in people's lives. And also I get to benefit from it too by it flowing through me. And I know it's worth it. So it's necessary that our thoughts and our style of teaching and our preaching comes from our ear being nailed to the door, which is Jesus, which is our spirit, what Jesus taught, and then our spirit. And then and only then can we receive teaching and understanding that is literally of the voice of our spirit. People ask me a lot, and they have, how do you see these things? How do you do this? You know, whatever. Well, I just say, I've learned to listen to the voice of spirit. And I can tell you, there was a time I did not hear the voice of spirit. I told you back when I was at Full Gospel Assembly, I was busy trying to be an associate pastor. I was busy teaching Sunday school classes and learning carnally understanding. I was busy working 60 hours a week and all that and, and helping change the diapers and feed the children. And oh, I better leave that out. My wife's looking funny. But I run helping with the household the best I could. And Donna, she was doing the same with the children, but Donna was taking time to shut herself off with the father. I would many times find her in my closet with a blanket over her head praying just to try to shut everything else 
and pray. Her sanctuary was the bathroom where the door was locked and no children were allowed. And my dog is so funny, she don't get that because when Donna does that, my dog lays right there at that door. She, she's like the kids. She's like the kids. But she, she, was in, she was in tune to spirit when I wasn't. I was always upset because I am the minister and she was saying, God told me this and God told me that and I heard this and I heard that. But finally a time came where I began to hear the voice of spirit. And there's nothing like that voice. You know it's true. You know it is faithful. You know it is in you and you know it's part of you. And you know it will lead you and guide you through all your life if you allow it to. You can't go back. And that's why I don't understand. I have many friends that's heard the spirit of truth and they've gone back. And it's hard because it's hard to come back again to it because you get grabbed into those experiences that are real, but experiences aren't permanent. I don't think they can go back completely. I don't either. I'm hoping they don't. I'm believing they won't. So uh, many will not receive anything. Listen to this. This is, this is true. Many will not receive anything that's not born of carnal teaching. Many will never do it because they're used to that. They're, again, they're used to the signs and wonders. And Jesus said, and it wasn't the word evil. He said, as a restless generation that seeks signs and wonders. They're supposed to seek Father in spirit and truth, right? But they're restless. What does that mean? They haven't entered into the rest of God. They're always needing some kind of sign, some kind of proof, some kind of healing, some kind of miracle. And we've all been there. And you know what? As we carry these marvelous truths that are revealed to us, we wonder why they resist. We really, I've said this all the time. I say it right here in Oklahoma. And I so appreciate all you guys out around the world that's watching this and follow us. Uh, but right here, for some reason, it's just there. It's, I guess we're in the Bible Belt. That's what everybody says. I don't understand why people resist it. And they don't want it. They don't want to hear it. They're going to. And I speak it on the, over them. And I know there's got to be people here that are tuning to the Spirit. And I'm believing we're going to get out there. But this is something I found today. Uh, Simeon prophesied this would happen to the mother of Jesus. The very same thing. She was a type of us mothering the truthful word to our world. Because Jesus mothered the truthful word to the world, did she not? She gave birth to the truth. She gave birth to the word. She gave birth to the light that was going to shine. And she mothered him. And I believe Mary taught Jesus a lot. I mean, Mary had a messenger come to her, not a winged angel. It was a man. Whether he stepped out of the realm of spirit or was already in the earth, I believe he was already there. Because when you look up, uh, was it Gabriel? Gabriel, and you look up Michael, and you look at the Hebrew and the Greek, it says they were men. It doesn't say they were angels. They were men. They were messengers. Or they were masters who had mastered living out of the spirit. And he came to her and said, you are going to conceive the son of God. Now, what would you do? You know, she said, how can this be? That's the first thing she asked the question. How can this be? I have not known any man. I've not had sex with anybody. How can this be? And then he instructed her and she believed. That's pretty powerful. She, she had an intimate relationship so much so with God that she said, I don't quite understand these things, but be it unto me. Yeah. And I can tell you what I'm teaching. I'm teaching it because it is truth. I'm not trying to make it truth. 
But there are some things that I haven't understood totally, but I knew it was true. And so I said, be it unto me. I've said that many times, Father, I don't quite understand, but I know this is true. Be it unto me. In other words, let that be my life because it is my life and it belongs to me. So those who are not living as a light, they are, will turn. And literally they may shred you up. If, but you know what you do? You wipe off the dust and you go on. You don't receive the poison. And that's what I've told a lot of the younger people. And I don't mean age-wise, but people have just recently come to hear me and Kay and other ministers. And they want to go share these truths with people. May, they may not be able to explain them properly, but they get shredded up. And I just say, you know what? Don't receive the poison. That's what it meant. Wipe the dust off your feet and go on to the next person. Pray and believe that you will find people. Converse with God that you're gonna, your path is going to be led to people who are hungry and who want the truth. And the other ones, you know what? It may even just be you weren't the messenger that was supposed to go to them. There are people that can listen to me and then they can't listen to other people. That happens all the time. Personalities are different. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. No, they all want to listen to me, Donna. <laughs> My wife, vice versa. So don't ever think anything that is valuable as truth will not greatly be contested. Truth has always been contested. In the medical field, every time there's been a discovery, it's been contested by the people that believe the other way. Yes. Today, and I'm not promoting marijuana uh, or medical marijuana, although I believe it helps a lot of people, but today in Oklahoma, it's been legal for quite a while. All of a sudden, the FDA, Federal Drug Administration, wants to get involved. Why? Because money. And they want to contest it so they can get the control over it. The truth has come out about what it will do for people that have cancer and other problems, but they want to control it. Every time there's been a good company that's come out, just like companies that have all these uh, oils that are good for you, the FDA is watching them because they want to control it. And if they say this will heal you, boom, they can shut them down. Truth has always been contested and always will be. But you know what? Keep telling the truth. Keep telling the truth. Yeah. So I'm in the place now where all I do is hold out truthful, the truthful word. I remember Brother Garner said, when you listen to a minister or a teacher or a friend or whatever, and they're wanting to share some, something with you, make sure you know what's in their hands. What are they offering you? And he said, if it's not the bread of the gospel, then run. If it's not based on everything that Jesus revealed, then run. And we know what Jesus revealed now. We can translate that scripture and explain it, the truth that he revealed. So I say, put what I teach if you can't understand it on the shelf. If you're not ready for it, put it on the shelf. Don't flush it. Don't bury it. Don't, don't throw it away. You know, uh, I, I know ministers that Brother Garner gave all of his tapes to and they never listened to them, but they're still there on their shelves. And I have, you know, or whatever it is, I have sent books to people and they haven't read them. And I think well, it's just not time. But I say, don't throw it away because there will be a time that you're going to want to hear these things. Before. It's happened before and it happened many times. So <clears throat> so Jesus offered the bread and the wine, right, yeah. of truth, Amen. but not all came to feed. I'm talking about what we do. We, we offer it. That's our job is to offer it. But not everybody's going to feed. So we shouldn't get upset. Shouldn't get worried. Remember 
Esther when they they made the royal wine to prepare for the wedding and uh, it was prepared perfectly but they had they were told to only offer it to those who would come and they were told not to beckon anybody in other words you don't have to come you, you know just like here you don't have to come I'm going to offer what I have to those who show up and that's it but they said we're not to beckon them to come. So they could come at their will. They could drink little or they can drink much. And that is our position as we shine the light of the gospel to the world. Our job is to prepare the royal wine, which what I what I call the most holy place understanding, and to be the light of the world. And if people want to come, they will. And if they don't, then we just go to another one because there's plenty that will. And we're going to find them. Amen? Hope you enjoy this. Amen. You are the light of the world. And so go forth and be that light every second of your life and see what it does for others. Remember I said on the other teaching, when you seek to become a master, which is one who can live out of the cool of the day, we're there now, but live out of it. You don't do anything for you. Everything you do is for other people. Isn't that good? Because in the carnal realm, it's everything's for us, right? It's for me, myself, and I. But me, myself, and I died at the cross. We're no longer me, myself, and I. But see, they never were me, myself, and I, but they had this mentality that they were me, myself, and I. So Jesus came and said, and Paul explained, it's no longer me, myself, and I. In other words, he was teaching people, you're not carnal anymore. They needed to be taught that. Because if they weren't taught that, they were going to continue to live as carnal. And that's why we constantly teach people, you do not have a carnal mind. The Bible never said that you have a carnal mind. And yet people write all the time. Even they, I watch some people's posts and they always say how we need to get our carnal mind saved. No, you don't. You need to quit being carnally mindful because that's what Paul said. To be carnally mindful is death. If you're carnally mindful, then you're dead to the things of spirit. But if you're spiritually mindful, then what is there? It's life. You want life? Be spiritually mindful. I can't lay hands on you and cause life to function. I can't do that. But I can tell you, if you will, by faith, lean to your spirit, and by faith, allow the Spirit of God to rise up within inside of you, then you're going to experience life like you never have before. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. We love you guys on the Internet. There's Marcia. Marcia's always there at the last for me to say hi. <laughs> so I love you. There's Deborah. It's good to see you guys. We bless you. Remember, uh, on uh, my brain keeps wanting to say March. I don't know why I keep saying March, but August the 5th through the, that Friday, I'm going to be in Rochester, Minnesota. And I come in early uh, on August the 5th. So I would love to meet with some of you guys if you're anywhere near there that evening. So if you are, message me or call me. I've already left my number. It's 405-204-0713. And we can make some time to get together in fellowship. But I'd love to meet you there. So God bless you. And uh, also, uh, my new book has been published. I'm not going to release it yet until I get the uh, proof copy. And I'm going to go through it and proof it again real quick. And then I'll let you guys know that it's available. But my daughter made a really pretty cover on it. I'm very proud of it. But I'm more happy with the content. So I'll let you know soon. Bye-bye. Have a good day.